And now it is time for We Are Just Christians live from Savona Church in Port St. Lucie. Here are your hosts, Mike Schmidt and Gary Jones. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to We Are Just Christians. We're certainly thankful that you tuned in today. We really appreciate it. My name is Mike Schmidt, uh, <clears throat> the one with the horse voice this morning. And, it's usually uh, me. It's usually, yeah, uh, but uh, you'll have to pardon that today. My name is Mike Schmidt. I'm the preacher and one of the elders of the Church of Christ on Savona Boulevard. And Gary Jones, how you, who you just heard, Gary, how you doing? I'm doing fine, Mike. Good. We're, we're thankful we can be here. He's the other elder at the church. So we try to present this program, We Are Just Christians, as a means of communicating the idea in this area that we should be just Christians and lay aside all of our differences over denominational doctrines and creeds and traditions and simply follow the Bible. We can have some kind of unity. Plus, we believe that's what the Bible teaches we're to do is just be a Christian and follow God's will in not only the collective work of the church, but also our individual lives. So we present this as a live call-in show. You're welcome to call in. I'll give you the numbers in just a moment. In fact, not just welcome. We would really appreciate if you call in so we can uh, communicate with you. We will promise you that we're not going to attack you or try to embarrass you or do anything like that. This is simply about communicating, having a conversation, and we'll try to do that with you. We'll try to give you an answer to whatever comment you make or question based upon what the scriptures say. You can give you some verses to look up, things to consider, and then we'll give you the last word in that conversation before we say goodbye. So we hope that you'll take advantage of this opportunity to call in. We'd like to hear from you, whether you agree or disagree. You certainly don't need to be a, a Christian or uh, anything like that to call the show. We'd be glad to hear from you if you're not or if you have something you think might be negative to say. We'd be glad to hear from you today. So go ahead and give us a call, 772-340-1590 is the number, 772-340-1590 is the number here in Port St. Lucie. And uh, you can reach us also by text message this morning or really any time during the week, but you can particularly reach us now during the show, 772-260-6120. That's my text number, 772-260-6120. And Gary's text number is 772-260-6220 is his number. Very similar, but obviously different. So you can call us now, or you can call us, uh, or you can text us now. You can text us even during the week. We also have an email address, justchristians at att.net. Justchristians at att.net. You can reach us anytime through email. So let me write you the call in number 772-340-1590. We'd love to hear from you today. We always appreciate that. You know, Gary, you and I didn't talk before the show about whether you had anything you wanted to present this morning. Well, I, not I, I do, but you probably have something, so go right ahead. Well, I was just thinking I had another question I was going to ask and okay. not answer, and maybe it would uh, provoke someone to uh, call in and have some questions for us. And it's similar to the others. We we talked a little bit about, you know, when in the life of a sinner does God forgive their sin? And uh, we also asked a question about did the, can someone go to heaven without their sins forgiven? And so now in, in that vein, I'd like to continue with the third one is, what must I do to be saved? That question kind of is answered or asks in, in the New Testament. And so think about that. What must I do to be saved? I'll give you a little hint. It's not the sinner's prayer. Yes. By scripture now. I'm, I'm asking the question by scripture. Point you don't want to talk about this right now, but I'll say you've already presumed something that a lot of people listening don't even cons don't believe yeah. that is you presume that something must be done to be saved right uh, and that's a probably according to a lot of religious teachers a false presumption and like yet like you say the question is asking the bible so we'll throw it out there you think about it. if you want to call mm -hmm. or text in we'd be glad to hear from you maybe a little bit later in the show gary will um, tell us what he has in mind about that or or discuss that with you what must i do to be saved you know, there's so many things. I got so much stuff here in front of me that we haven't gotten to over 
the last uh, few months for so- different reasons. But I, I figured got, you, I figured you had a backlog. I, I mean, got so many things. My I, I was briefcases. hoping maybe we had some uh, text questions. I don't have anything in the text messages uh, that that uh, have come to, pardon me, come to me. Um, I've had some conversations the last few weeks with people that probably, if I thought about them a little bit, would uh, bring about questions for us. But, I, you know, something has come up and it keeps coming up. And so I started off on this here, I don't know, a month or two ago. We never got very far with it in in the show. And that is this misconception that people have in general who are Christians about uh, what a pastor is, what a bishop is, what an elder is. And it leads to the question of can, which is the current issue, can women be pastors or preachers, whatever the case may be, which is a hot topic in a lot of places. You know, Gary, years ago, now this is this just shows you how you can be right and wrong at the same time. I'm talking back in the 70s. I predicted in pulpits that feminism would be the issue that was going to lead to persecution in churches, in, in conservative churches. Liberal churches always give in to society down historically. They kind of take on the mold of whatever the culture around them says more so than others. But a new and conservative kind of Bible-believing churches of various types, I thought that feminism would be the issue that leads to persecution over the issue of can women be pastors or preachers. And I partly got this, and it was confirmed to me, I should say, years later when I was audited by the IRS, and the agent spent more time talking to me about a statement I made in answer to one of her questions. She asked me, well, who determines your salary? And I said, well, we have a business meeting of the men, and they discuss how much they want to pay me, and that's what we that's what it is. And she stopped. And I, didn't, I never even thought about it. She stopped. She looked at me for a second. She goes, the men? you telling me you have a meeting of just the men that decide what they're going to pay you? And I said, well, yes. And so then that that precipitated – that pushed a whole barrage of questions over a period of time that really took up a lot of a lot of the interview for this audit. And she wasn't very happy. She kept scribbling furiously. My my answers, you know, this is back in there. This is back when Bill Clinton became president. He decided that, that there was a lot of money to be made from churches. So we had almost all of my friends, people I knew, all of them were audited. Uh, so many of them were audited during that time because he made a push to audit all of the uh, preachers and religious people. And so uh, while pretending to be very religious himself. I keep wondering, so what, this is what how, does that have to do with your income and your income tax? Well, it, it doesn't, except the IRS is trying to f- ferret out these uh, rogue organizations. They always have been. And so she was, that's my point. She was focused more on how the church operated Probably trying to figure out a way, you know, that we weren't really a church, weren't nonprofit, or that we were doing something that was illegal and discriminatory. And, you know, I, you don't know where it's going to go, but she spent a lot of time talking to me about this, an inordinate amount of time. Of course, it turned out that they owed me money at the end of the audit, and I said, just keep it. I said, don't take this wrong, but I hope I never see you again uh, <laughs> in, in, in this capacity. And that's how we ended our conversation, but after several hours, hours and hours. But any event, I guess I'm working under a misconception. I thought your income tax did not depend upon the source of your income in terms of. Well, I, if, I don't if know. You're, if you're being I, I thought the out. whole line of questioning was completely out of bounds. That's the point I'm making. It was completely yeah. out of bounds. But that signaled that I was correct about this assumption from one from the 70s that this that feminism was going to be an area where the churches were going to be persecuted conservative churches that believe what the Bible said about um, elders being men and uh, permit not a woman to teach and so forth, that those churches were going to be purchased. Now, we're seeing a revival of this now. Only now society's gone so far, it's just assumed that those positions are archaic and misogynistic and patriarchal and full of hate and bitterness and all that kind of stuff. But in any event... I, I might have been wrong. I don't think I'm completely wrong about that, because I think that the movement to 
to um, normalize homosexuality and now transgenderism and pedophilia. I think that's all connected to the feminist movement uh, in a broad sense, but I might have been wrong. Now I think it's the uh, gay rights agenda that's going to be lead to more direct persecution. And along with that, if you throw in transgender ideology into the uh, gay rights uh, agenda, then they fit together. You see, it might be coming from that. But I still think that this is a very important. They're all linked together, Gary. They all are linked together on this idea that human that there is no such thing as a natural created order of things that the scriptures tell us what the order of human society should be and that there is no prescribed divine order of the set of the sexes and how they're supposed to relate to one another that governs marriage and life and uh, our sexual behaviors or any other behaviors. There's no order to this. This all just happened by accident. So man can make it whatever we want to make it. Hillary was, for example, was big on this idea that families can take any shape that they want to take. There's no there's no shape of family uh, that can take that. Sh- that sh- and she wrote about this back way back when she was. What they call first lady that families can take any shape that they want to take. Well, I don't agree with that. I think the Bible is clear that families have a certain shape and order to them. According to the create the order of creation, a male, then female, and then those two produce children, which are under the authority of the parents. So there's an order of things. And yet this then the whole point about transgenderism, it's really just the final fruit. Uh, ah, say it's a final fruit. It's close to the final fruit. And many are not many other places to go, but that says there is no order to the human nature and human sexuality. A person, there's no reality that's set. See, Christians believe that God created the universe and it is therefore because it's his will. He made cho- choices in that creation that he that he did, made. He made choices about how things were going to be and what things were going to be like. And he endowed each of these creatures with certain certain characteristics and a nature that fits what he wants them to do, including human beings. Sexuality is a part of that. Identity is a part of that. But but humanist philosophy says there is no order. There is no restraint. You can be whatever you want to be. So when Disney's been telling our kids for a generation or two or more that they can be whatever they want to be, Disney really meant that, Gary. Well, if they, they want to be a rabbit, they can be a rabbit. That, OK, that's what gender. That's what Disney supports now. So that's what they meant. And basically they meant it in all respects are in a broad sense that most people don't even think about when they hear No, but they did mean it that that we see this now it's very clear now we have a a call on the phone so just hang on a minute there there and we'll get to you but um that that's the nate that's the battle it isn't over whether who can use what bathroom it's a bigger battle than that it's over the nature of human beings and the nature of society and how we perceive the world itself. And there is no concord, there is no communion, as Paul says, with Christ and Belial, or the uh, the evil one. There's no communion, there's nothing, there's no common ground here anymore. There used to be a common ground. There's no common ground anymore in, these, in, in transgender ideology or homosexual ideology and Christian thinking. There's just no common ground. And so that's why it's a problem. That's why it's so distressing. That's why it makes me sad uh, because I can see not much hope of ever fixing this in some way that's going to satisfy most people because it can't be brought together. Some ideas are just completely opposite. The idea that you can decide who you what you are as a creature and and decide your own nature is simply an untenable illogical and certainly unbiblical position. And then there's, see, the problem is there's nothing then. This is what people will not accept, but it has to be true. And if you begin to look closer at what's being written by many scholars and experts on this subject, people in power, Gary, you see that there is nothing in that. 
If you accept transgender ideology that we can be whatever we want, people have a right to choose their own sex. And you accept along with that, as we said, heard a few years ago, that love is love is love. Then you must accept the fact that people have a right to choose to marry the, a lampshade if they want to or an elephant. There's nothing but stopping bestiality. There's nothing, nothing stopping pedophilia. There's nothing, nothing stopping a polyamory, marrying groups of people. There's nothing philosophically in the way of any of those things any longer. Now, you, you can have some people's sensibilities might be hurt, uh, and they might put up a charade about this, but logically speaking, philosophically speaking, there is nothing stopping any of those things if you accept transgender ideology at its core. But on the other hand, just to say, well, I'm homosexual, my desires are disordered, and I don't may not like that, but I have to practice that because that's my natural proclivity. See, here's the difference. It used to, we we first were sold the bill of goods on homosexuality that it's just it's not a choice. It's just a matter of a natural sexual orientation. You can't help it anymore. You can help being white or black or whatever. And that, isn't that, you know what we were told some years ago, Gary? That's that's what homosexuality but, but was. Isn't that the same thing the pedophile says? Well, of course. Yes, that is exactly the point I'm making. We were told that it's just a matter of uh, a natural sexual orientation. Now, the pedophile said then, yes, pedophilia is my sexual orientation. We don't like that, so but there's no logical reason why that shouldn't be true. And then, then, but now what's being said is even another step. It's being said that it's not a matter of it's not a matter of biology at all. Being homosexual is not a matter of biology. It's a choice that you make. You can choose to be transsexual. You can choose to be a bunny rabbit or a furry if you want to. And so, you know, that you it's just a matter of choice. So now we've moved off of even the logical business about natural, natural uh, desires and sexual orientations over to it's simply a matter of whatever I as the in, autonomous individual choose. Now, this is uncharted territory. And like I say, there isn't anything philosophic or logically to stop any of these other things I've mentioned, and you folks out there who call yourselves Christians, who support this and feel sympathy toward this, need to re-examine your position. Is that clear? Is that too plain, Gary? They no. need to re-examine what they're supporting. It's, I don't care how sorry they feel for some of these people that are dealing with these terrible issues, with this confusion, this dysphoria. Philosophically, we cannot support this all right, Gary, I'll let you have a quick comment, then we're going to go to the phone. Well, I was just going to say, we had a show that we didn't spend the whole show, but we talked a little bit about this. In terms of supporting these things, what does the Bible say about what you approve? If okay. you approve those things, it's just like doing them. Romans 1, 31. Right. You have, you have sympathy, and you give consent to those who approve these evil deeds. Right. That's a problem. Now so, we've gone. So I never that's have. That's how God looks at it. If you profess to be a Christian, that is what the Bible tells you. That God looks at what do you approve. And so this isn't a matter of that Christians are just mean, and therefore if we would just be nicer, everything would be fine. This is a philosophical, cultural battle of great proportions that is is actually spelling the end of. Western civilizations, we know it. If you think that's a good or a bad thing, that depends. But it is not simply something that's going to go away and going to be, it's a, not a non issue. It is a serious, epi, I'll use a big word, epistemological issue and a metaphysical one that our society is struggling with right now. And, and, and we, and, we argue and, around the edges, but that's the center of it. But, but basically, what are we trying to do? We're trying to please someone else. Basically, we're trying to say that human beings have an autonomous individual right to decide who and what they are and what they're going to do. And, and why do apart we apart from any revelation? What, what's one of the major things behind that, Mike? It's because they don't want to hurt anybody's don't, feelings, and you don't, and they don't want to do what God says. They don't want to be restrained. Nobody wants to be restrained. It's, it's, it's kind of like what Paul talks about in uh, Galatians one six through ten. And he talks about them turning away from the gospel, but the reason he says basically. For now, for do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. 
when you're pleasing society by acknowledging or accepting or approving the things that they say that are not approved by God, what are you doing? You are no longer the bondservant of Christ is the way I read that passage. Right. I may, I may be wrong about that, but that's the way it looks. Right. Well, it's almost a, a, a diabolical joke to say that Christians precipitated this culture war. That it was us. No, it was Christians objecting to what was being shoved down our throats for a generation or two. And when it finally reached a point that people couldn't swallow it easy and easier enough anymore. And when the, when the uh, homosexual and feminist lobbies became so antagonistic and the transphobe, uh, trans people became so antagonistic, a lot of Christians just pushed back. So the ones who pushed back against an assault are not the aggressors. We're being assaulted philosophically, religiously. And so when we stop and defend ourselves and push back, then we're pictured as aggressors. And I don't think that's fair or right. All right, well, uh, we need to go to the phones, Gary. We can come back to this. Are you there, Jerry? Uh, Thank you, uh, Mike. Thank you, Gary. Very interesting show this morning. I was wondering about uh, theology and philosophy. Uh, Can you get a divorce separately? I know they go hand in hand, but uh, it must be really interesting uh, there are uh, dialogue, uh, but I was wondering about, would this be a little worry, uh, a literal question about uh, the incubus and the succubus, and uh, is it Latin, does it uh, mean heaven and hell, or the God and the devil, and so I was wondering about those terms, incubus and succubus, uh, could it be something in literal and I'd like to listen off the mic if that's okay. That's okay, uh, Jerry. Dude, thanks for calling in today. Well, uh, in a general way, we'll get to the incubus question in just a moment. Uh, but the 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 uh, difference between theology and uh, philosophy, as you as you indicated, Jerry, on in your comment, uh, is not very strong. Uh, there's not much of a difference between the two. Uh, it may seem to be a difference, but it, it probably isn't much of a difference between the two. Word-wise, in a broad sense, the idea of philosophy, sophos in Greek is, these are Greek words, sophos means uh, wisdom. Sophia is a female term, of is the female representation of wisdom or sophia. And then you have uh, philos, which is love of or love. So a philosopher or philosophy is a love of wisdom. It's the pursuit of wisdom. It is the study or pursuit of what is right and good and wise and true. That's the idea of philosophy. And every every society has its philosophers. In fact, every kind of person, every person is a philosopher of sorts because we all develop our view of the world, what's true, what's not true, what's good, what's evil, we all develop a view of that. It's For most of us, it's based on a general, we're in the general sea floating around with other people of our culture. So we don't generally have a philosophy that is very different from the general culture that we live in here in, in the Western societies in 2023. But you know, and then there's been a, a flow of philosophies down through the years. <coughs> They've changed, and now we're living in an age where I guess I would point this out radical that, individuality is the fundamental yeah. belief of Western culture. I guess I would point out that there, the difference is basically when we're looking for wisdom, what is the source? Right, uh, and that's it, what it, for theology it, is a, a specifically looking at God. God. Theos is the word for yeah. God, and, and the ology part means the knowledge of. And, and Paul makes the comment in, in the Galatian letter that uh, one, and I believe it's about verse 11, but I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man, for I neither received it from man nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. And, and basically the Bible makes that claim for itself. And when we start studying Psalms and Proverbs, basically wisdom is personified and God, again, becomes the source of wisdom through his, um, basically, his laws and his, uh, his precepts. So, I, I, basically, I'm, I make the distinction that there is a, 
great deal of difference there in that that source is is true. Now I know our society today, basically, Mike. I think we're we've both said this before. There is no real truth among society today. Current philosophy might say your truth or my well, yes, truth. There's nothing they can tied. both be true even though we're opposites and and that's where we're going. God doesn't say that. No, and and so there, a th- theology is going to go back and look at divine sources and divine ideas for things. That's the idea of theology. Every human culture has had gods and goddesses that they worshipped or else the true god. And, and so um, you can look – and they ascribe characteristics both to the world and to the people of the society based on their picture or images of those gods. They're – there hasn't really been yet a successful secular society where I mean by that a society that doesn't have gods and goddesses of some sort that I know of. And um, even among ancient or modern cultures, and we're still we're one of those. We still have our gods and goddesses that sometimes the goddesses and gods take more human form. Sometimes they don't. So there's not a lot of difference there. All of us. Even seemingly the most mundane of us, Jerry, we, we know we, we we lay awake at night or we think in times when we daydream or when we stop for a moment, we think about what the world's really like, what we're really like. We think about what's right and what's wrong. Even if we don't believe in a God, we think about what's right and what's wrong, as odd as that may seem. And we think about um, all these other metaphysical, philosophical and theological questions. So. Um, I, I'm not sure that answers your question, but I think all of us are. The problems I mentioned before is it's easy and most natural for us to get caught up into the in the philosophy or theology of the age we live in, and it's great shifted greatly in its emphasis from let's say the Middle Ages, where there everything was determined by group or societal or family identities. And that's how you knew who you were because of your family identity, because of your ethnic heritage and culture. And now we base everything on our own individual, completely autonomous individual desires. I have a right to be a cat if I want to and act like a cat and demand other people treat me as a cat and call me a cat if I want to. That idea has never taken ever before that I know of taken root in human society as it has in some people in our age, we're all being influenced by this. We no longer think if I bring up something, you know, uh, you shouldn't have you shouldn't have stolen that from Walmart. Say I see somebody stealing something from Walmart and I say you shouldn't have stolen that. Well, I'm making a I'm making a theological and philosophical statement to them when I say that because I use the word shouldn't. And use the word stolen, and that implies a moral imperative or a direction. And I said shouldn't, and that implies an obligation to do or to not do something, should or shouldn't. And they will often would often answer you today. Picture how someone would answer you if you said that. They would say, what I do is my business. You have no right to judge me and tell me what to do. Now, that's a reflection of our modern philosophy or theology that each person is independently suppo- supposed to decide what is right or wrong, and then they have the freedom without any interference at all to act upon what they think is right or wrong at that moment. Now, they might choose something different tomorrow, and I'm supposed to respect that. They can change their name. They can change their sexual identity tomorrow, and I'm supposed to respect that because they have this autonomous right to do all those things. That's the modern way of looking. That's what Francis Schaeffer would call the modern, modern man, not the modern man, the modern, modern man. That's where we are. So all of those are philosophical questions. When, so when teenagers make these kind of statements and when politicians make them, they can say they're not religious, but they're making religious statements, theological statements based on what their view of the universe is, whether they like it or not. These are the areas where humans have problems. Uh, we, we think our differences are in skin color something like that. There, there are really differences in this. And we think the big problems of life can be solved by new technology. If Elon Musk would just get on board and give us some new technology, 
we could figure out all of our problems, solve all of man's problems. No, we can't. The big problems that people have are not about uh, electric cars and rocket ships and medicine. They're about these philosophical and religious conundrums that we find ourselves in. That's the thing that people worry about. That's the thing that bothers people. But they won't. Why am I here? What's life or death about? Is something happen after life? Are we going to, you know, all those big questions are what people worry about. It just impressed me that what you said, Mike, in terms of everybody is doing what is right in their own eyes. That's the definition of chaos. That basically, that's the definition. Well, in the end, it is. Well, you see what we have now. Yeah. We're moving toward chaos. And, it, and it's it's shown not to work in, in many ways. The very last line in the book of Judges, uh, I forget what chapter it is. I think it's uh, chapter 21. The very last line, verse 25, it says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Therefore, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And they were basically That's about three times it says that in the book of Job of yeah. Judges. And and basically it was it was chaos, basically. Now I will give you my uh, alternate interpretation of that verse <laughs> okay. all the time. But I think that there is an implication there that there was a lack of order in society. They were departing from now, the, the answer was not he was simply making a historical statement there yeah. was no king in Israel. God wasn't endorsing a king to knock heads there particularly. But they were departing getting from a the king world. later didn't help them. They were departing from the law of God, right. whether they had a king or not. What God says is that, yes, individuals are the core. They have to respond and do what's right on their own, whether the government says so or not. You, you and I are not going to you and I are not going to start swinging and having threesomes in our life just because it becomes legal, Gary, because we have something higher than us that determines our individual morality. Even if everybody else did, I doubt that we would because you you and I aren't going to start smoking dope every day just because the state of Florida legalizes it. Because we think that path to intoxication is wrong. We have a higher standard, you know, like Hebrew National. Yeah. Uh, we answer to a higher authority. Now, that's what the Bible, how the Bible pictures individual people. Everybody under the authority of God through his word acting that way even if the government doesn't tell you to act that way that's how the bible pictures individuality um now this other question incubus and succubus jerry i don't know where you come up with this stuff <laughs> but I'll, it's an interesting thing because in mythology the incubus and the succubus were two opposite kinds of hmm depending on if you're looking at it from a Christian viewpoint, demons or just mythological creatures. Uh, so the Christians later considered these to be like demons, but an incubus is an evil spirit that supposedly de descends upon uh, women and basically while they're sleeping has sexual intercourse with them. Some view it as like a nightmare when women would have sexual dreams, they're having sex with an incubus or something like that and it's an oppressive or nightmarish burden that you carry around with you so uh it's the male form of a demon or a god or something like that that has sex with sleeping women and it's interesting because that makes the woman not responsible for this and there's different parallels with this uh, in in medieval europe i just read um the union of an incubus was supposed to by some to result in the birth of witches, demons, and deformed human offspring. So if you had a deformed baby, this is because somewhere along there, this incubus descended upon you when you're asleep and impregnated the woman. Now, a succubus uh, is the opposite. It's the, it's the um, female who seduces a male and it doesn't even say while you're asleep, but that's the interesting part about it. But um, these these are very alluring demons, a powerful seductress. One one uh, person wrote about who loves nothing more than to toy with men, although she might seem fun at first. You wouldn't want to make her angry. And so they have these beautiful images with long, wavy hair, silky skin, flawless, flawless curves and wear skimpy outfits flaunt their bodies. 
but they don't try to hide their demonic nature. Bat wings, barbed tails, curled horns, you know, all this is uh, common. And so the succubus then is someone who is um, deceiving men. My own opinion about this, Gary, from the mythology is really an attempt to explain how seemingly good people, good men and women are often led astray sexually. And it's almost like the explanation would be, I just can't believe that she would do that or he would do that. And the explanation came to be, well, they were possessed. You know, they, it was a de- it was an incubus or a succubus. The only way you could explain that. Transfer of responsibility. Yes, and this is common, and we see this all the time. They'll interview somebody who's, uh, who's a friend of this person, just hacked their family to death. Well, he was such a quiet fellow. I just can't believe he would ever do that. And you'll hear relatives defend the wicked behavior of someone in their family. Well, I, I just don't believe Uncle Joe could ever do that thing. Oh, trust me. Human <laughs> beings can do, any individual human being, this is a scary thought, Gary, any human being can do whatever they want to do. And sometimes our wants, what we want, is even hidden from ourselves to some degree. And there's different layers of what you want. That's why God says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Because we can do, you are, you can do whatever you want to do. And so all of us have the potential for murder, for adultery, for lying, for treachery of all kinds, for violence. We all have that potential within us if we choose it. And and that's the that's the sad thing about humanity. But also we can also choose what is good. And we can choose what is right and holy and honorable and all those other things too. And people do. So we have to we need explanations for why people do things. I, I don't I, I object, Gary. I, you've probably heard me do this more times. When, when somebody um, says, well, they're just crazy. They'll hear of some drag queen grabbing their crotch in front of little children. Oh, they're just crazy. They are not crazy. They are evil. They are wicked. They've chosen to do something that they shouldn't do, which is wicked. It's not demon possession. It's not an incubus or a succubus. It is their choice. Now, we can have a long discussion about why they choose such a thing as that. That's what psychology and psychiatry are about to some degree. But they choose that for their own reasons. And oftentimes those reasons are either bad themselves or they're the result of trauma of evil itself. A lot of people sexually abused go on to sexually abuse other people. They are abused as a child. They grow up and they abuse children. It's a common story. It's not a. It's not something unusual. They've made a choice. So evil leads to evil. We want to make excuses for it. We want to make. Ex- we want to not only make excuses. We want to explain it away as if it's not what it is. So these were. The interesting thing is. The ancient peoples, the Greeks and the other people, way back there created these mythological creatures to explain the very things that we see today that haunt human beings. Why do seemingly normal people do the things that they do? How do they turn so bad? How did this person, a sweet little girl, turn into that? Or this young man, so fine and and, uh, pure, how did he turn out to be that way? We have to have an explanation. We have to have an explanation oftentimes that doesn't involve us. In our example, what we've done as parents or friends, so we create an incubus or a succubus. That person came at them while they were asleep. Women are so pure, Gary, that they can't even consciously do bad things. Isn't that what we're told today? Uh, it just it, You see what I'm saying? They, men can consciously do bad things. Women are just so pure, they can't do anything consciously bad. That, well, that's been a myth for a long time. Well, I just keep coming back to the thought that, <clears throat> no matter whether it's a man or a woman, 
Uh, Proverbs 12 says, uh, the way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds, count, heeds counsel is wise. And it's, it's whose counsel we're heeding again. It comes back to where do we go for that counsel? Right. And the, the way of the fool is right in his own eyes. It's it, the way of, of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord, okay, he says, will will we'll educate us, but the Lord weighs the hearts. We're we're turning away from things that we're cautioned not to turn away from. It's it's I keep seeing this, and and we don't. I partially blame us because we don't necessarily teach a lot about this, and these passages are not well known to many people. I think, particularly Second Corinthians ten, uh, and I'm I'm going to begin around verse. Well, middle of verse four it says for the weapon. Now, tell me if this sounds familiar to you for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. What does that sound like we should be doing? We should be opposed. We should be fighting. We should, we should be opposing the very thing that we were saying. We should yeah. be opposing these things. Now there's and, a, there's opposition, and then there's being a bad person when you when you and doing wrong things when you oppose things. But the idea that being a Christian means to sit back and just be nice, winsome is a is a foolish idea. There's a time when you need a Samson. There's a time God needs a person who is willing to go out and do unpleasant things. That other people don't want to do in order to stop. Yeah, there's a time. Evil. There's a time for when Jesus should chase the money changers out of the temple. When he should clean. Yes. Yes. There. There's a time for that. But it says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We are in. The Bible says in several places we are in a cultural war. Have been since the first century. And it hasn't. You know. We we just we don't recognize that, or it seems. Like <coughs> We don't do those things. I was just going through Proverbs about being right, a man being right in his own eyes. There are at least two passages there. There, there are passages in Judges, passages in Deuteronomy. Men have always said, okay, whatever I want to do is right in my own eyes, and that, that hasn't changed throughout the world. It's just gone in a different direction as of late. Yes, this is... Um it's a big problem. It is the real one of the real questions confronting so-called Christians today. By that I mean not just New Testament Christians, but all across the spectrum of what is called Christian in our society. Are they actually going to stand up and oppose this philosophy that's being thrust upon them and their children? It's being it's been thrust upon us all of my lifetime, and I'm 70 years old. It's been thrust upon us. Now we're finally seeing some of the fruits of it that we don't like very well. We should have been opposing this stuff, and some Christians were, a long time ago. But all they got called was homophobes and misogynists and patriarchal, and, and now all that's come to fruit and in a way that we don't like because uh, this, this transphobic phenomenon of all the young girls spiked at least one quarter of all young girls, Gary, think that they're transsexual now. Used to be about 1%. Now it's 25%. How'd that happen overnight? It happened because it's a cultural phenomenon and it's a philosophical one that they're choosing. And the confusion that the, the feminist movement has sown such confusion as to what is male, what is female, what the roles of the two sexes are, what they're like, has cast so much aspersion at anything masculine that we are really in a crisis in our society of identity, especially among young people. It's a crisis of what it means to be male, what it means to be female, and um, feminism has left us with no answers whatsoever uh, and that, that are any good. So there you go. Now, some people trace it back. Historically, you can see the roots of this thing sprouting uh, in our in our in modern times it's the with the invention of the birth control pill not not just because 
birth control within itself is sinful, but it's the idea that humans get to control everything about their sexuality all of a sudden. So sexuality was taken out of the idea of marriage and, and a committed relationship. The pill threw it out to individual people to make that choice. And so it just took a couple of generations or so to get to where we are today. Less than that. It's from the 60s till today. Well, now, Gary, you and I are old enough that the right. 60s don't seem that long ago. But you understand what I'm saying. They, they are somewhat a while back. So it's a it's something that Christians need to now begin to oppose strongly. They have to be willing to be called names. Churches have to be willing to take a stand on this and perhaps lose members. They have to be willing to be attacked. They have to stand for what is right. And in the process, in this kind of process, which you can read about in the Bible over and over again in different times and through history, you see that. The majority of people go the wrong way. 80, 20, 90, 10 go the wrong way because it's easier and feels better. But the 10% that are left are able then to rebuild somewhat based upon God's help. They rebuild something much more stable. But now, but modern Christianity in my lifetime, the last 30 years, has been about creating churches where everybody is Everything is polished and clean and shiny, and you got perfect people performing perfect musical numbers with perfect smoke and perfect lighting, and everybody's lives is all polished and, and so forth. And this is what Christianity then is not about seeking God. Christianity is about making yourself happy, okay? Religion really is about you seeking God at whatever the cost. But not many people want to do that, Gary. People want to feel good about themselves. Or feel better than they do now. And so religion shifted in our lifetime to let's feel good about ourselves. And and uh, that, rather than let's seek God and see what he says. That's, that's what we tr- are trying to do here is teach people to seek the Lord through his word. Humble themselves and bring their lives and their practices and their family and their individual lives into conformity with what his word says and leave and be and be content with that instead of having to and, and sometimes you're going to be unhappy when you do that it's not going to please you but so religion well, not about just pleasing yourself and being happy all the time how, how many times have i said to you mike if you study the bible correctly <laughs> and long enough you're going to find things you don't like well it's, it's, so many it's, things are challenging yeah <laughs> But I keep coming back to John. Pardon me. John twelve forty eight. He who rejects me and does not does not receive my words has that which judges him. But the word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. Right. Now that all depends on whether you believe in the judgment, whether you believe in God, whether you believe that God created this universe that we live in, and indeed the planet and the conditions under which we live. If you don't believe in that, well, then there's no there's no Everything's so, on, everything is on nothing, the table. Nothing has any foundation. Right. And so if you believe, do, do I believe that I'm going to live forever? The answer is yes, I'm going to live forever, not necessarily in this body. But how I'm going to live forever may depend on what I do here. <clears throat> That's exactly right. And and nobody believes, nobody seems to believe that. Nobody wants to think about that. Well, look, I was telling somebody yesterday, a hundred times, and maybe more than a hundred times, when I talk to people, they find out I'm a preacher, and the visible glass wall goes up, mostly because if I use the word God, I'm, I, the word God to most people, Gary, doesn't mean divine being in the sky. The word God means accountability or responsibility, and so they shy away from that. Well, they that don't want God correct. anywhere near their thoughts. Not the kind of God that the Bible pictures anyway. That kind of God is scary, and they don't want him anywhere near their thoughts, so they push him away. And therefore, they push religious people away for that very same reason. I'm not saying that they're wrong to think in terms of God, to think accountability. I think he is that. I know. They're not wrong, but that's, that's all that they can see, though, and they don't want that. That's the last thing that modern people want, is to be held accountable for their thoughts and actions. But what human does, I don't like it either. But 
are you going to see God or not? Now, I'm going to make another strange prediction out of nowhere here, Gary, thinking about this lately. I was telling somebody yesterday that, that Darwin is falling out of favor with a lot of modern scientists, a lot, because when I was a young man, Darwin was accepted, and uh, it was pretty obvious that we, had un- we could understand the simple human cell. Every single cell organisms were simple. They had three or four parts, you know, and you could understand them all. We were on the verge of cracking the secret of life, and we're going to create life and all this stuff. That isn't anywhere near where we are now. 60 years later, 50 years later. The reason is because now we know that cells and everything in life is vastly more complex than we ever conceived of before because of our discoveries of things like DNA and the kind of microscopes and everything else we can do now. It isn't making things simpler. It's making showing us that things are far more complex than we ever thought, which removes Darwin from the equation. The, uh, the idea that things could get here by accident or by chance is simply crazy. I wrote this down. I got an article. Somebody says, well, uh, how long would it take 10,000 monkeys typing on typewriters just randomly to type out the works of Shakespeare? So this guy does a mathematical calculation of the possibilities here, how many keystrokes and all that stuff and random keystrokes. He said, well, let's just make it simple. I got it somewhere here. Let's just make it really simple. And let's just say, how long would it take 10,000 monkeys to type out the phrase randomly to be or not to be? How long would that take? Which is far from the complete. Oh, it's one it's one part of one line of Shakespeare's works, not the whole works of Shakespeare. Now it's not coming up here in front of me, but. Basically, I might get the number a little bit wrong. He said, well, his calculations, he gave the numbers and a bunch of exp, expo, exponential numbers. He said it would take one trillion monkeys typing since the beginning of the universe to randomly type out the phrase to be or not to be. Do you realize how big a number a trillion is? Well, I see if I got that. I found the article here. Yes, there's a he says. Um, there's, you have 18 characters, including spaces. Each one must be the correct one out of 44 on the keyboard, which means there are 44 to the power of 18 possible combination of keystrokes. That's about, I can't even read the number, 400-something. I don't know how many zeros are after it. Combination. Suppose the monkey is super fast and can bash out an 18-key attempt in one second. 18 keys in one second. There are about three... Uh, 30,000 seconds in a year and about 14 billion years since the Big Bang. That's about so many 400 something thousand attempts. So you have a reasonable shot if you had read it, could have a trillion monkeys at this rate, you could type out the line to be or not to be. And yet you want to tell me that something is complex, yet seemingly simple as the human ear or the human eye or a one celled organism can just come here by random mutations by accident. That that's and scientists understand this if they think about it, and they know that the gen, that the, the the immutability, true immutability of genetics is such that you can't get the changes that are needed to produce evolution. Now, I, my point is, I think so. I think they're rejecting evolution. I said all that to say this, but I think modern people are in our lifetime are going to reject deterministic evolution for another reason because it tells them they can't be whatever they want to be. Yes. Darwin tells people instinctively, you are of a certain nature that's bound by the laws of nature and genetics, and you cannot be whatever you want to be. So therefore, I think young people are going to reject this notion, the scientific notion of Darwin, not on, well, not on religious grounds, but on Jerry's, philosophical or theological grounds are going to reject evolution because it is it it, not only does religion restrict people to their created nature but darwin restricts people to whatever you might call their created nature and so you got we're all in this box we cannot be whatever we want to be we have to be what we are and be the best one of the ones that we can be according to what we are that's what the Bible says. I think that's what nature says. So it's a it's a real problem for modern people 
that they cannot be whatever they want to be. And we have to now here's where contentment comes in. Contentment comes from understanding that that's what the scriptures teach and being content with being this creature that God made you as a servant in his creation, doing your duty in that creation according to the nature and the role he gave you, and then being blessed by God for doing that, staying in the role that he gave you in life and being content in your generation. It says about David in Acts 13 that when he had served God in his own generation, he fell asleep with his fathers. Simple statement. I think that's a noble and grand idea that David served God in his generation, and then he fell asleep. God blessed him for that. He's a great patriarch. He brought his son, Jesus Christ, through the line of David. And what did David do? He served God in his time, in his lifetime, the best he could. And, and the concluding remarks. Didn't try to be something he wasn't. Well, the concluding remarks of Ecclesiastes are basically the same thing. But I, I, I don't have time to read it now. We're, we're getting kind of low on time. But I would like for our listeners to go to Luke chapter 16. And I would like you to read verses 19 through 31. This is the story of Lazarus and the rich man. And I want you to conclude what the rich man, where he was, what he was hoping to try to do, and where Lazarus was. You need to look at that, folks, because... We are, all of us, eternal beings. The question is, where are we going to spend eternity? Right. And and I think... And if we're not eternal beings, we really are in a sad predicament. Yes. Okay. People can act like it doesn't matter, but it will matter to them. But it does matter. It does matter that they're just going to... We're all just here. <laughs> you know, I did a sermon some years ago, Dust in the Wind. You know that song, I forgot the name of yeah. the group now, Dust in the Wind. All we are is dust in the wind. Um, it's such a pleasing song to listen to. <laughs> but the words are so horrible. Not horrible in the sense it's bad writing. It, the, the idea expressed that, that somehow we're just all dust in the wind and all that ever matters, all that's ever going to matter is what we do for a few moments, speck in the history of time, and we don't really matter at all. This is an idea that humans have never accepted. I don't think they ever will really accept it. A lot of people try to talk about that. They try to talk like that, that they're good with the idea that they're just dust in the wind. But they don't live like that. Okay? And in the end, they're not happy with the idea that they're not, that's all there is. Is this all there is? And, and so uh, I don't think – and that, I think the reasons given the Bible, Ecclesiastes says, God put eternity in their hearts that they might seek after him. We all have eternity in our hearts because we're made in the image of God. And that's why these worldly philosophies and this different kinds of theologies, in the end, they don't please you. They're like eating cotton candy. Tastes good for a minute, but then its value is gone and it can't sustain you. And that's the way it is. Um well, yeah, we've got a minute or so left. Do you want to make any – we've got one well, minute I was just left. I so. want to say about Luke uh, 16, 19 through 31, this is not a parable. At least it right. does not appear to be a parable. It appears to be about a certain man and a certain Lazarus who was a beggar. Right. It's, it's a not story. told it's, like the other parables. It's not told like the other parables. Well, the, even if it is a parable, <coughs> we think Jesus teaches untrue things in parables. Parables. No. Well, are you saying it's not true because it's a parable? That, that's that's. I, th- uh, I think it's. I think it's closer to reality of a certain man, of certain two men, and what happened to them than it is. Even a, if he's using broad symbols, he's telling you what's going to be like, like in the afterlife, right? In broad, in a broad sense. So that's an important thing to consider. We we, we should read that and and go back to John twelve forty eight. Where you are is going to depend on. What Jesus spoke. Right. Well, our time is gone this morning. Uh, uh, I appreciate you listening. Gary and I both do. And thank you for tuning in to the Hope. You can tune in again if you'd like to get uh, more sermons from the church here or our, this radio show. Go to wearejustchristians.com. There you can find recordings of these radio shows and all the other lessons at the church. Wearejustchristians.com. We invite you to come and be with us at 2196 Southwest Savona Boulevard, 2196 Southwest Savona Boulevard here in Port St. Lucie. 
We'd be glad to have you come visit us. You'll find just a group of ordinary people. You're not going to be asked for money or embarrassed in any way. Come and see for yourself. So we thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you'll tune in again next week for We Are Just Christians. May God bless you. You've been listening to We Are Just Christians live from Savona Church on WPSL Port St. Lucie.